Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Crushing Comics This Week in X. This is the epic second part of our finale of going through all of the weeks of the X of Swords crossover. We are here with the final issue, the 22nd issue of 22, which is X of Swords Destruction. And we are going to dig into it straight away. Tyler and Free and I, no introductions, no preamble. You're hopefully here because you listened to the first half of this episode previously, and we're going right to it. So, and just so everybody who knows who hasn't listened to an episode before, A, there's plenty to listen to, but B, we're going to just spoil everything. Everything that could be spoiled will be spoiled. We're just heartless. We're not going to do it. We're maybe going to say a warning. We might not, but just know that this is in general full spoiler territory that you're entering into right now. So full we're spoiler monsters. We are spoiler monsters. <laughs> well, we are spoiled. we're opening up here on something that personally is very exciting to me as an old X-Men fan, which is Saturnine pulls the magic card and from her drunken, uh, uh, Puzzle making. Puzzle making. In the last (laughs) issue, she has drawn the card that indicates that the Captain Britain Corps is back! (laughs) And they're all. Before they were all Brian the human, but now they're all Betsy the mutant. All of them. Like, you know, so the thing is, Betsy has a swan. Betsy has a gorilla. (laughs) It, It doesn't matter. It's all Betsy's, like you know. So to that, I actually had a question. And Betsy that, with a purple that... beard. Can't be. Why are you judging people with beard? What's wrong with you? I have a couple of beards over here. What's wrong with no, you? No, she has you a know. full, full, full grown beard, like, <laughs> like, like, good. like one of the dwarfs. Yes. So my question to that is like, it, Captain, like Captain Bridget Core historically has always been Brian's, right? Like, that's what we've been told all this time. Mm. Like, it's always been... Mostly. It's one of those things where, like, it's somewhat of a universal constant, but then occasionally you get somebody who, like, for some reason has taken the mantle instead, but, like, usually it's Brian's. Yeah. And occasionally the Captain Britain might be evil, even though it's Brian. Yeah, there's, like, a Nazi Captain Britain. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Superman. Yeah, there's like a hum- yeah, there's yeah. a humped man, whatever yeah. Yeah. his name. Sometimes um, he's not, sometimes he's he black, was... he's always Superman. Yeah. Right. But I I mean I thought that, you know, that was because in that universe German took over England. Yeah. That's why yes. he's you know yeah. all of that. Anyway, doesn't matter. So the, my question to that is, did they all become Betsy because the uh, the love spell backfired? Mm-hmm. That's mm. my read of it. Well that's a really Okay, so that's question. why because like you know because that's that's why i was like you know she was like no before like is that why yeah because that's the court right and in right at the front of excalibur right was saying that you know if you're not careful and if you're powerful the backfire spell is going to backfire spectacularly right Mm. i think what was the court let me see she says that um well the last line of the court is a magic is a harsh teacher. Mm, so not only she erased, like, you know, she can't have Brian the human, she's mm-hmm. also, like, erased Brian the humans from other realities or converted them over to non-Captain Britain. So, harsh. Well, it's well harsh. the, the it's other thing was that... layers. I mean, yeah. Hickman took apart Destroy. the Captain Britain court in yeah. Secret Wars, right? So, like, 
on one hand, did he kill all the Bryans? Well, they would probably be brought back after Secret Wars because Franklin started remaking all, all the other Earths and they've got all their people intact, Brian included necessarily. But just because Franklin remade the other Earths, it doesn't mean that he put back all of the same magic that was on the other Earths. So even if there were Bryans, they're not necessarily Captain Britons because mm -hmm. the, the kind of magical power to make the Captain Britain Corps adhere to itself was missing. And that's part of what she was trying to get back. She had one Captain Britain left, effectively, and she was trying to use that little sprout to, to regrow all of the Captain Britons. But because she regrew it from Betsy, it's some and all the Betsy's instead of the Bryans. That was my read on it. Not that it, right. okay. that that like there were all these there were Betsy's out there and there were Bryans out there. But because she used Betsy to kindle the spell, she pulled all the Betsy's instead of pulling all the Bryans. That that's my interpretation. Right, and I, I think I'm saying the same thing. Yeah, like I'm saying the same thing of like that you know the love spell backfired and then kind of forced this to happen. Even though her initial thing was that even from Betsy she can get all the Bryans back. But didn't turn out that, that way because yep. I think she was again ego. She was making the assumption like, well, it doesn't matter if it's Betsy because it's Captain Britain, and I know that Brian is always Captain Britain. It doesn't matter if Betsy happens right. to be exactly. Captain Britain right now. But no, actually, that's not how it turned out. You just cemented the fact that all of the Betsys are Captain Britons now. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And Peter, you have a pretty interesting comment about Hickman. Well, right, because this is like, this is the, the opposite direction that Hickman usually goes, right? Hickman usually likes breaking toys. I mean, he, he brings new toys to the game, but Hickman is about destruction. But here we are in X of Swords Destruction, and he's putting back this huge piece of the Marvel Universe that gave birth to the whole idea of 616. Maybe this yeah. was just all a tie into the Disney Plus documentary 616 about Marvel <laughs> comic books being made. Maybe they felt they couldn't have it be called that without bringing back the Captain Britain Corps. Maybe Alan Moore insisted. We don't know. But um, this does feel very unHickman to bring back such a big thing. Although he does mine, he you know he brought back mm. the Space Knights. I mean he 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 brought back Beyonders. I mean yeah. Hickman does dig for obscure stuff. But but this is an act of creation that I really appreciate because I love Captain Brown. But it doesn't he always kind of does that at the beginning of all of his run and then takes them all away at the end? Because if you look at his Marvel Universe, like, you know, his work so far in Fantastic Four, which was kind of like in the middle of his Marvel career, he started the Council of Reeds. Right. And then obviously Later by Secret them. Wars, everything yeah. was gone. Uh, everything was gone. And apparently now they're coming back. But th that's what I'm saying. So isn't it kind of like that as well, that this is kind of midpoint of his x-men run so he's bringing something back only to later so don't destroy get too it yeah only don't to get too don't get, to, get too attached exactly <laughs> yeah. don't get too attached like you know as uh jasper matt jasper said or whoever yeah. someone said well <laughs> but, you know or... in the middle of the of the uh of them coming back you know the x-men are still in the middle of this fight mm -hmm. against the teeming masses and we get this panel that's fantastic for many different reasons mm. brian the human saying my god Look up, mutants. Look up. Not only great because it draws the attention to the fact that he's Brian the Human. Not only great because it's a great kick-ass moment, but Peppy Laris's art, my God. It's like a it's like two Renaissance paintings next to each other here in this diptych of panels. I mean, I you know, it's, it feels like one of those issues where we really could stop on every page and talk about every choice that Laris makes in every single panel of what to draw and how to frame it. I Is there 
anybody on on his level right now. Like, I feel like he's gone from the beginning of Hawksbox to now to being just one of the most superstar artists in all of comics. Though he's, he's... And you can also say that from, like, you know, how similar his work, artwork is to Mahmoud Azrar, uh, we have seen that Azrar make mistakes or, you know, don't necessarily know to placement or stuff like that. And it's just missing that, like, secret Laraz. sauce. Laraz just has this extra right. thing that he does. Exactly. But exactly. this is... And that's what I'm saying, that it just comes together. This was something which he worked on, like, pretty hard, right? Because I think when Laraz was previously on... Uh, he, he did draw X-Men before. It did not garner that big of an attention, right? Before he jumped onto Hawksbox. Yeah, like, he was around and people liked him, but he was kind of, like, a niche favorite. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah. like, L- Lars is cool, but, like, Azrar was definitely somebody that people got more excited about a year mm-hmm. and a half ago than yeah. Lars. But now I would, like, buy anything. I mean, he could draw a comic franchise that I hate. He could draw, and I would go, and buy, he could be drawing Sonic the Hedgehog, and I would go and buy it. Like, you know, like, I would read him on anything. <laughs> what you have against Sonic the Hedgehog? You know, I tried. <laughs> when they have, relaunched just... Sonic the Hedgehog a, a year or two ago, I'm like, I remember these games. I'm going to read it. And, I, you know, I give everything a chance. I've tried Sonic the Hedgehog. I've tried Power Rangers. I, I really will try anything once, but sometimes it's just I'm not a big enough fan mm-hmm. to, to get to get hooked in here. Okay, so Lars is amazing. So uh but here in the story, Annihilation is making things real bad. I mean, we have nine at eight, because Gordon's dead. So we have yeah. eight X-Men plus the Captain Burton Corps, but Annihilation seemingly has like every Eldritch horror that's available to her to pull through these portals that are popping up everywhere. She's got all these crazy infected, maybe they're mutants, maybe they're demons. I'm not sure. I mean, like it just feels like totally unwinnable odds here. Yeah. I mean, he basically have the entire group of summoners, uh, pull in all the demons, minor demons, major elementers, basically, you know, um, seems like, you know, it is the, uh, is, uh, is overwhelming odds you know against the x-men so what did they do and it looked no and it looked like you know they get their act together because you know they're also the kind of people who are like destroy our our enemies so they're like really living up to that second law of their their oh yeah that's right (laughs) yeah you know they like destroy our enemies but technically technically they are not arakos arakis they they are amethians so so that's, that's a little yeah, so, bit of a difference. But going back to the summoning circle, first of all, like kind of fun, even though our main summoner died to be reminded yeah. like, yeah, that was not the only summoner. And they still, you know, that was just one summoner. What are we going to do with, with all? Hickman the loves his naked group. white people. Um, oh, that came out weird, but he does. Uh, and also, and, the, and... <laughs> that's also a, a, an inverted one, a black and uh, with like white paint on him. Yeah. Oh, the, oh, you mean in the crowd, there's an inverted yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So oh, it's, interesting, it's, there's it's, several inverted ones. There's several inverted ones. So and we, have we met the one, the blacked out ones with the white inscriptions? Yet? No. no. Hmm. Yeah. But it yeah. just reminds me of like East of West. So <laughs> Yeah, it's a, that's a very cool. Yeah. But talking about reminders too, like the page where magic is like, okay, that's not good. So all of the Eldritch Hars coming through made me really think of like magic saying this is not good because she's pulled this trick before. Magic did this exact thing in Zeb Wells' New Mutants. And it's almost like for people who really know their X-Men, she's like, oh, I've seen how this one turns out. This is not <laughs> good. We This is not a good plan for us. But then immediately following that, we always love to be right here. It's not always Magneto who is right. Sometimes it's Tyler. <laughs> because 
as he predicted, <laughs> the tenth sword here is the peak, and I turn the stage over to our associate Tyler to talk more. <laughs> well, basically, all the X Men, all all the Krakoans who volunteered to come rescue the sword bearers, somehow got into the peak, and Magic opened a stepping disc and pulled, and the peak got driven down or pulled the pulled the uh, pick mm-hmm. right on top of Starlight Citadel. So I have a question, mm. which I don't think, I, I mean, I, I don't know the answer to because I, I could have missed some, some stuff that has changed, but shouldn't the stepping disc has a layover in, in, in limbo? Technically. I mean, I think that's, that's her power. It's not just teleportation. It's teleportation yeah. via limbo. That is yeah. her actual power. Exactly. So how did this work? She opened up and the pig went in through, somehow through limbo and came out on the other side? Yeah, I mean, you always, well, it's not like everybody spends like a whole summer vacation in limbo when she summons a stepping disc, right? Like they're frequently yeah. shown as being instantaneous. So time doesn't mm. have to pass. She can make time pass, but she she doesn't have to. So I kind of just assume that it's, she just opens it up in some kind of like no land of, of limbo where there's, but it's interesting because per Hickman, limbo is maybe created or, or accessed via the violence of the Twilight Sword originally back when Apocalypse... Or or have we decided that that's actually been Ameth all along? Because I remember when we were talking yeah. in the Hickman report, we were like, oh, it's limbo, there's demons. But like now are we supposed to think that they're different things again? I think they are supposed to be different things okay. now. Because I like yeah, because... that version of things. Yeah. I liked what Because it was I limbo. thought it was limbo. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. <laughs> So before, I mean, and then the panel between like, you know, Cable and, and Cyclops uh, communicating telepathically, I, I really like that design where, you know, that flare of Cable's eye became Cyclops', Cyclops visor. visor. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> this is what I mean about Lara's though. Like, you know, maybe Hickman scripted that, maybe he didn't, we'll probably never know. But like, just, you know, decisions, great decisions on how to do this stuff. And it reminds me too of the way that Lara's... Um, I was drawing House of X and when the they were on the space mission had Storm making the hydrokinesis version of Jean and just like the the like whoa like who thinks of like drawing Jean that way even if yeah. it was written into the script and I kind of had that here too in the way that he was using the psychic communication at one point magic looms over Jean and Cyclops on the bridge of the yep. peak but it's almost like Jean is like construct like it's kind of meant to look holographic, but you almost get the sense that maybe Jean is constructing it with like dust particles in the air from her telekinesis. <laughs> like it's just neat. It's a it's a cool moment. It is pretty cool. Yeah. But speaking of cool moments, I mean magic Ooh. opening the the portal is pretty cool. But not as cool as what happens a page later because Lara's draws Jean Grey getting the to me my X-Men moment. And this had to be my number one moment of the whole thing not only because it's gene but this page is crazy he did your fist much... pump I, I i i like fist pumped i cheered and also i started counting all the characters this is almost yep. the full cast of every single book in the dawn of x line i mean there's so many of them crammed in there's phantom x in the deep mm-hmm. background there's gwenpole there's yeah. dupe there's i mean they're just everywhere it's amazing skin eunice there's just so many. Yep. Chamber, Richter, 
you know, Gambit, Rogue, I mean, the big ones. And I mean, even Magma was there. Even, I, I mean, I believe there's um, Honey Badger is there too, but I'm not Where? sure if that's her. I did like, not see uh, her. Just in, to, the, to the right of, uh, I mean, to the left of, of uh, Mirage. Huh. Is that Honey Badger? The one in purple? Oh, yeah, maybe. Oh, I yeah. miss her. Yeah. Like where? Huh? Yes, so, to the right of, uh, to the left of Mirage, if you're, look, if you're reading the page. I don't know who Mirage is. That's oh, so Mirage is the one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't, I don't know. Oh, my God. I don't know who Okay, Mirage that's is. fine. That's uh, fine. You know, but, uh, but the thing is, like, I mean, if you have, anyone have listened to the previous episode that I was ranting about, this shot made me cry again because this was i'm like they brought everyone over to die right. no, like you know what, what if they failed behind, right who's still there nobody behind like all their big shots including beast what on our beast is gonna do over here isn't beast in like, the middle why of did they put on trial yet again in x-force right now like no putting, then, putting colossus also, on trial oh right because they he, also I they also brought like they either. also yeah. They also brought their last captain. They also brought la- their last Bishop. captain Nathan Bishop in here. Yeah. Like it's like they couldn't leave at least him behind. That hey, buddy, take care of us. I like thank God if they the five was here as well, I wouldn't have shown up for this episode. I would be like, <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Listen, reading X Men. I'm not gonna read any more X Men. I am done. I mean. If I actually looked, that's one of the reasons, you know, I like when there's a team scene like that, I'm yeah. like, oh, that's pretty cool. But this one, I actually looked. I even texted Tyler. I'm like, Tyler, the five is not there, right? And then no. Tyler's like, no, they're not. They're the yeah. them and the council people. I'm like, oh, thank God. Because or else I'll be done. I'm like, no, I don't care for these dumb people anymore. I don't they, they care actually, for this anymore. Well, they actually make a mistake because Quinton Quayle is not supposed to be here. Is he here? He is here. here. He's definitely he is here. here. But where, where is he supposed to be? He's right. He's right beside Thunder. Uh, Thunderbird. Did he die? He's dead. Warpath. Sorry. Yeah. No, he's he's yeah, he's, he's captured dead. in Russia. He's, he was he's captured in Russia. Right. And yeah. he, no, no, he's decapitated. He no, decapitated no, no, no. Not Russia. decapitated. He has he has the cerebral sword went through him and then pushed through the uh the the Krakoa gate by that nesting doors. By those nesting doors. Right, but then, yeah. but I thought that he died. I thought he N- died and they resurrected him. Well, it appears that he died and they kept his body so that the um you know those people could like you know do what they did to Domino Experiment. to him. Yeah, but I don't know right. if he really died. So that one, I am not hundred percent sure. So I was I was mostly looking at it from the continuity error of like yeah. the they don't have any resurrection pods and he yeah. died right around the same time. Yeah. So how did they bring him back? So yeah. that's one of the reasons. But well, can we the talk other thing about that they did not She's know. now a full. Oh, you have not read oh, the last issue of Gwenpool Strikes Back? Oh, free. I have. That's what I'm saying. I have. And yeah. that's what I'm saying. I have read it. And that the fact that they're continuing on with it, that they did not just drop it. I mean, I know that she shows up in X Factor 3. It's like, oh, yeah. what's going on? Like, oh, we're going in a tie-in. And then X Factor 3, even though Storm is there and it kind mm-hmm. of ruins the thing, I yeah. honestly thought that it kind of brings over here that it's just a, um, just a portal because she actually falls through a portal. And yeah. I thought that this is actually a tie back to that. But the problem is Storm is there, so it doesn't make sense. But the fact that she's actually now a full-fledged mutant and they're accepting that, yeah. I'm like, leave her behind, Ben. <laughs> she can protect everyone. She well, can just rewrite everything. She's like, and, 
she should be like, hold on, like, I've read one of these comic events before, and I know that it's the minor characters who get killed off for effect. Look what happened to Rockslide. I'm not going down there. The red shits. Like, like, in, in my or head, i got this whole think... no, Or maybe she thinks that she's no longer a minor character, you know? Or she thinks that she's no longer a minor yeah. character, and then she just wanted to see what happens to her. And then, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, we're, if we're all going, we know that we're going to be surviving, so let's go. She's the Eska of the team. Like, she genuinely is the Eska of her, her Krakoa. Well, I just, I just looked she's at like her right first. In the middle. The sh- it's like she's yeah. drawn in a way that you cannot possibly miss her. Miss her. To yeah. be, you know, which is like here, Leah Williams' joke has gone so far that here we are in X of Swords Destruction in a splash page of all of our favorite mutants and Gwenpools in the middle. If you haven't read Leah Williams' um, Gwenpool series, first, I would say, have you read Gwenpool? Because her original series by Christopher Hastings is m- amazing. It is the modern day version of Animal Man. And, uh, and, and then, if you have read that, I would say, have you read Leah Williams' Gwenpool series? And then you'll understand what we're all raving about. But back to the rest of the X-Men. You know, it's interesting, Freya, you talk about the potential stupidity of them all coming over. But I do think that this helps contextualize that more people agreed with Jean and Cyclops' point than did with, like, the villain point, right? Because because there's this sense of them saying, like, well, look, it's not only our friends. It's if we're willing to let this battle be lost on that side, then we're saying we're going to be fight fighting to defend our nation, our island, in the way that Tyler was talking about last episode. Screw that. We're just going to go and win the war. And so really, the yeah. fact, you know, that you, there's so many non-X-Men. I mean, there's characters in this montage that are not traditional x-men characters that don't have that motivation of like let's go save cable the way the rest of them do so this is that the fact that those people are in the montage characterizes it for me as much more of a movement it's much more about like this is not a fight that we're willing to lose more so than it is like let's go save cable and storm because some of them just don't give a shit yeah, and, and that too, and some of them, but maybe not. But the thing is, like, it's also the rule of like leader to convince people. Look at what's happening in America. Our leader doesn't wear masks, so rest of the America, half the America, decided they don't want to wear masks. So if the leader is saying that, hey, we should go and do this, people are gonna follow. And also, most of the people that in here are also touched by X, uh, Professor X sounds awful when I say it, but they're all like in, like you know, kind of Professor, like you know, being in. Xavier's school and they're all in that mentality that they're still thinking in a small scope rather mm. than the big scope well yeah but not, not, not all of them I mean there, there, there were a few no, who I were know. villains but you know I know, but, I know like, they're okay. not but then but then that's what I'm saying though it's like why they have brought their CIA every member mm. of their CIA is in there every member of their like their captains are in here they left nothing behind and that's well, I don't know that's what well, I'm to, saying it's just like it's to be bigger honest, than them to be honest, I mean, I didn't. I mean, my my thinking as I as I talk as I as I spoke about it like last 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 episode, um, is slightly different. And I actually got goosebumps when I came to this page, and oh, this yeah. is almost like the Avengers assemble moment at, in Endgame, where you know almost uh, every characters that you know came to the rescue. You know, did we really earn it in in this crossover? My answer yeah. would be no, but did we earn it within Hot Stocks? I think hell yeah, 
We did. We yeah, earned it. It feels like a moment we that's did? much more of a reward I think so. for sticking with Dawn of X than it is a yeah. reward for this crossover because none of these characters have had any impact in this crossover at all. Like, it doesn't... It, it feels like much more of a moment for, like, you have reached the end of the first act of Jonathan yeah. Hickman's Dawn of X. Enjoy this fight featuring all of the X-Men that you love. It felt very and that to me. For me, it's more like, you know, they they created... They came together and formed a country, and now it's time to defend the country. That's that's my take, you know, like how I explained it last episode. Right. I know Faria right. has a very different approach, which is why she got so mad at like all the all the X Men, everyone, like basically saying that, well, I can die, doesn't matter, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, like, because that's one of the things, like, you know, that you were talking about that earning within the Hawksbox docs. Yeah. I don't see it, though, because I don't think there's still a country. There's still a nation because there is, like, still so much flaws and so much, so many things going wrong. Even we've seen some of that even within mm-hmm. this crossover because of the resurre- how they are doing, dealing with resurrection and all of that. So that's one of the reasons I'm like, I I know that it's a very much a fan service and you know yeah. I like I saw it I'm like oh that's a very cool but then then I started thinking I'm like oh now I'm gonna be mad about it but <laughs> but it's a, it's a cool thing but the thing is like um I mean you know it, it's it's that well speaking of people who like to wear masks and sometimes don't we have Genesis here who's in a fight with Apocalypse and Apocalypse <laughs> has finally prevailed upon her perhaps that he loves her so much that um, he's willing to take part of some consensual stabbing with her. And she's just so tired of fighting, but the mask will not let it go. And you get the sense that, and we're going to come back to this, I'm sure, in a few minutes, that the um, Genesis put on the mask so reluctantly, which is what we learned from that retelling and then Mm re-retelling of her story, that maybe she came to it with the wrong motivation. And even though she's always thought of herself as the fittest, she doesn't necessarily have what it takes to stop it anymore. And so this starts to get seated here where she's saying, you know, I'm so tired, I can't do anymore. But before we can come back to that, Cable realizes that he has had an important MacGuffin this whole time. He's the fool. He's the fool. (laughs) And he's a fool with a sword. And he needs mom, dad, and Magic the Magic School Bus to take him to the peak to unleash the ghost people that we met for one issue and turn out to be the main deus ex machina of this whole story. Think. Speaking of things we didn't earn, this is where I think I ultimately turned against X of Swords because I thought the ghost people in Cable was a cool future thing and let, let some foreboding moments with Jean had her mind been infected. But here we're just using them pretty much straight up as the army of the undead from Return of the King in Lord of the Rings. And it just didn't work for me at all. Like, I, I just totally checked out. I was like, well, I guess we're done here. We were talking last episode about, like, you know, how beautiful it was to have the rug underneath of us that we expected to have underneath of us. And even though this was something that did get hinted at, I just feel like it was too abstract too minor, too off to the side to give me any kind of emotional resonance when they came through, even though it was a cool visual moment. And yeah. and th- this is when I just was done. I don't know. Am I just being my normal curmudgeon, hateful self? Or is there something to this complaint? I no, mean, but the me- thing is, like, doesn't it also, also negates the reason for all the X-Men to be there? Because right. you don't need it all. You don't yeah. need it all this Dois Ex Machina. Like, it's like one after another. First the Captain Britain, then the X-Men, then this. So it's like, 
get rid of sound so at least in one that's one of the reason i'm like okay so which like you know we are doing all of this but then this is also very marvel event yeah, yeah this it's is like, where you know, it just like went full on to marvel event like we only got one page of result from all those x-men coming over all of that build up all of the argument mm-hmm. in the council all of our misgivings about if it was good for krakoa or not and do you know what we got out of it one page like it just feels anticlimactic to have built that theme this whole time and be like just kidding it was ghosts well, and I think yeah, and this... that's what I'm saying. So, in that from that point of view, and if only just Cyclops and Jean, they just needed to be here. Yeah, no right. one else needed to. No, be no, here. but but this is also the point where I think the plan failed. Like, you are bringing in an unknown factor that so so yeah, you bring them right into the middle of your enemy, and they start attacking the enemies. What happened after they win? So, what happened after they kill the enemy? This is not your people this in fact you know they do not discern between friend and foe they are out to destroy everything so did you did they ever stop to think that yeah let's bring them down let them destroy the enemy and then what yeah, just I don't. I didn't find it to be very well considered. Yeah, kind of just ruined. A, I was I was so in that fist pump moment, and some really cool yeah. things happened after this. But it kind of just took me out. I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm sure some people are watching the show and they're like, "There's Peter being a <laughs> hater again." But it's like I just want no, good. I just I, want good stories, and I just week. don't think it was mm. very I good. The... No, this part wasn't right, logical. But I want to be the hater this week. Peter doesn't get to be the hater. I want to be the hater. Well, I didn't hate it. I did. I did not hate it, but I still don't like this point because it. No, but the thing is, like, it also means that if if, because they they kill indiscriminately, that means they also kill some mutants off screen. That exactly. And if they get killed off screen, like we end this whole thing basically with no mutants having died in Otherworld except for Betsy, kind of, and Gorgon. Yeah. Which and it kind of shows that the whole being scattered thing was always a little bit of a misdirection, but like. But then you're going to bring in this whole other army and and we're not going to see any mutant die from that either. It just seems, I don't know, it really made me angry. But let's move on. Um, you also forgot about Nanny and Grace. Oh, well, I no, wasn't no, no. counting the Hellions because they weren't they, they, there officially. They did not die. They did not die in other war. Yes, no, they no, did. No, no, three of them did. No, they did not. Three of yes, them did. They died. Three of no, them no, did. no, no. They died in Ameth. Ameth uh, is not part of Otherworld. Yeah, but the rules still apply. It's still not... They're not no, going to no, be able no, no. to get tuned the rule, into the, re- the rule only applies antenna. if they're in Otherworld, right? So... Yeah, but they, Ameth is on have... the other side of Otherworld. Of the Otherworld. Right, world. so it's like Earth. So there's no there's no reality meshing in Ameth. Mm. Oh, but look can, at that. But do they have psychic reception there? Okay, that's the other thing. But then it will not be corrupted. So maybe they will forget everything hmm. after they pass through the gate. gate. But anyway. yeah, well, yeah, but that's an interesting point. I mean, it's it's fun to go back for the stuff because just because we talk about something for an hour, like we didn't actually get all the way across that. No, millions, but now you start thinking about it. Look, but we get another beautiful Renaissance painting from Pepe Larraz here because Apocalypse puts on the mask. This was genuinely shocking to me. Like, I really, really mm. did not think that he, he was ever going to put on the mask. And when he did, I was just like, oh, no. Oh, no. Like, I, I, I just didn't know what to think. This was my fist pump moment. Yeah. This was, I'm like, ooh, things are about to go down. And it kind of did. But, <laughs> but kind of, sort, sort of kind of anticlimactic. It's like, oh, I surrender. Like, you know, <laughs> go against the will. And I'm like. Okay. 
there you go. But I think something... Survivor of the fittest. (laughs) Something that was really cool about the way that that was communicated was it doesn't... It's not like the fight changes that much. Like, we see that the fight is still going on and Mm -hmm. Saturnine is panicked and everybody's talking and we see the reflection in the mask. And then the way that it's ultimately communicated to us is not by Apocalypse going... You know, it's communicated because Iska changes sides. Which in yeah, turn, by turns, changing color. Yeah, and and in turn, oh, in terms, she's just a litmus paper, basically. <laughs> no, she's. I was. You say litmus, litmus paper. I was saying she's the swing state. You guys, she's the swing state of this election. No, and I, then when I, she I, she turned one color, you're like, oh no, that's the that, you know they're the winner. I was like, whatever. Like, See, you know, I thought whatever. this was great because it, it actually paid off. Like, as opposed to the stupid mm. aliens, who cares? Iska, we went, we endured so many jokes at that stupid dinner about how she always figures out how how to be on the right side. Yeah, and like what? And it's been so pervasive that she wins every tournament match that she's mm-hmm. in. Like, this is the kind of thing I am looking for in the final chapter of a series. And if they lost me on the ghosts, two pages later they got me back with Apocalypse and the Mask and Iska because I was like, this is so satisfying. Like, like it, it's a it's an it's a clear no, it signal. Then the tides have turned. They didn't have to make up some bigger Deus Ex Machina or show Apocalypse punching a hole in reality, DC Superboy Prime style. They just showed us that Iska changed sides. I thought it was genius. Totally and genius. Can I ask who who do you think Iska kill? In you know, it mm-hmm. is obviously an X Men. It is not. You can see the tanks on his back. That's my thought too. But so so she killed Pyro. No, he might not be dead. Pyro's, Pyro's deadsville. <laughs> See, I'm telling you. Why did you bring all of them? Oh, but here? you know, just he, but, but he, we can't see his face tattoo, so it's important. I know it's that's the thing. And that's if he gets I'm resurrected sure into a new body, is he gonna get the face tattoo again? Well, probably not. In his dream, he did not. Right. <laughs> in that <laughs> in that fake dream. So, so the thing is, like with the Eska, the unbitten, it's I don't, maybe because I don't like finicky people. Like I yeah. don't like like you know people who just turned onto yeah. like you know the whip. She's just fair weather friend, bandwagon jumper. She, yeah, she doesn't have a choice. Yeah. She, yeah, she does not have a choice. She must be on the winning side. <laughs> okay, can I use that experience? Can I use that excuse from now on? I, I must, must be, be on the, the winning side. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's she's literally be. a bellwether. Like she has to yeah. signal. It's something yeah. we didn't consider. All that talk we did about her power, we never really made it all the way to this example of like it's not actually such an interesting thing that she wins. It's an interesting thing that she winds up letting you know. Will who will win that's yeah. so much more interesting to me mm. and that's why she's the new omega mutant is she an omega mutant yeah it is written it yeah. is written in the data pages oh number 15 yeah. yeah and then and then that's also but the thing is that's also the thing because if we know the definition of omega mutants it's like it's very impossible for humans to achieve that it's like how on earth anyone is supposed to achieve that you can't even compete with this like this is just like yeah this is not even this is uh, this no she this should is, not be an omega woman this is o- no omega, she, she has to be omega because, because this is universal skill like probability um changing so basically she changed color she's you know that side is going to win and she changed all odds and they win well that's, that's how an, i think of it here's the other half of why i think it's so interesting 
we got earlier, and I teased, that Genesis can't surrender because Genesis thinks you have to be fit and you have to be the strongest. And so if Genesis surrenders in the fight, by extension, Genesis will have also surrendered to Annihilation, which means Annihilation will win, not surrender, and then take over everything, which is kind of sort of what we got. But yeah. but she never officially surrendered. I think things would have been even worse had she actually said, I surrender. Mm-hmm. But now you have Apocalypse surrendering. And I think it's more effective because as a reader, I would have been like, wait, Apocalypse gets to surrender? But it's almost like Iska already told us that this is going to work. And so when we got to him surrendering, instead of as a reader having the like, oh, is this going to work? Is Kenny surrender? I already knew because Iska was already signaled. I was like, this is going to work. So just narratively, it did this really interesting thing where it like already showed me whatever would happen next was a good thing. And so then when it happened, I got really excited because I already knew it was a good thing. Well, the other thing also is that in the fight um, in last issue, like um, Storm and Apocalypse were speaking in Krakoan. Storm was like, you know, hold fast. And Apocalypse was saying, never surrender. And yet, here, here he are. surrenders. Yeah. But After he surrenders putting on the right, mask. But, that was, but the thing is like, that was because he was saying that because he is like, he was telling rest of them not to because he's planning on doing it. Oh, interesting. Right. right. Well, not at that time because he has not won the helmet yet. Well, do you think he, he has right, not won? That, isn't that his plan? Yeah, isn't that was his plan the whole time? So that's why he was saying like, don't do it because I have a plan. No, but he, that's how I read it. I don't. Okay, hold on. Who do you think he's surrendering to? Saturnine. Saturnine. Yeah. But by so extension, he's, he's also surrendering while wearing the helmet, which could be a surrender to the helmet, but in this case is not. No, it's not. He's yeah. basically, because he wears control it, therefore, uh-huh. when he surrenders, he's also saying the helmet surrenders. Exactly. In this way. That's, yeah. yeah, that's that's what I, t- I took it for. And, mm-hmm. you know, but that's that's how I took it uh, took it as, that he's, he's playing Saturdine's game of constant changing rules so he actually beat Saturdine at her own game yeah. by doing that okay I am going to wear this I'm surrendering mm-hmm. I thought that was a very so the thing is and you know how you were saying that oh Iska turning color gave you that as soon yeah. as he wore the mask because I actually reread all the other issues and everything so I kind of had a little bit more understanding mm-hmm. I or remember memory I actually knew at that point that oh he's playing like I got more excited by that mm. you know and knowing that how this is going to end yeah you know because I'm like okay. oh he's he's actually beating Saturdine at her own game of constant rule changing constant winning like you know word games that she was playing and then she got her well and she loves it she's like she's been waiting yeah, for somebody exactly. to play yeah. on her level and then she's like ooh, right. here's one person who's like worthy all these people have tried to subvert and play tricks and kill me or whatever here's apocalypse the only one who's really playing this game on the same level that i'm playing this game exactly and so she remakes the mask into a beautiful staff and she said and it's clearly arguing with her even as she's doing it and she says this very curious thing this is a better look for you and a deeper lore if you want it what does that mean I have no idea because why did she pass it to Genesis? Doesn't it belong to Apocalypse now? And what a lure for what? Yeah. A lure for people to buy into the power because 
you have to be more complicit, right? Like with the helmet kind of speaking in your voice, sitting on top of your thoughts, it's like you're always in a struggle against it. It's the, the struggle is part of it. And so it's harder to submit. But if you turn the power into something that you wield instead of something that you bear, by wielding it, does it make the power that much more seductive? Is that what she means by saying it's a better lore? Mm. That's interesting. I took it more as like, you know, you'll have to work harder. That will make you or probably make you more attractive mm. to the wielder. I think that you know is another I mean? fine interpretation. Like, yeah. it, it, like, you know, because the thing is, especially like, you know, the both Apocalypse and Genesis, they're very much of like survival of the fittest or they are like very much of like, they seek challenges. So yeah. the thing is like, you know, it's like this way you will be challenging them more mm. and you will succeed eventually. Yeah, that's I, I'm, I'm like armor. I'm just sitting cross-legged on the battlefield. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what she did. She's like, she's in her armor form and she says sitting down there and it's like listening to Saturni and changing whatever. <laughs> well, the war has ended. Now it's like rest. Yeah, but she's sitting cross-legged on the battlefield. So cash. She's like, yeah, she's like, not like the rest of people are all standing with like... You know, and she's like just sitting there. <laughs> well, now from here on out, it is uh, what we know as denouement, which is mean the, the coming down from the climax, right? Mm -hmm. The conflict has ended. So we have a few pieces of denouement to take care of within the issue, and then a few to take care of ourselves here to wrap up this ongoing conversation we've had with you. Yeah. So the first is the exchange of prisoners. Prisoners. Saturnine says that they've got to exchange one mutant or each as a sign of good faith. Uh, Apocalypse decides that he's in charge of this whole thing since he's the one who kind of negotiated, <laughs> even though Cyclops is like, as a general, and Apocalypse is like, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I was Apocalypse at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So what like, did I we think? Like, yes. Do you think it was a for so do you think it was a foregone conclusion Apocalypse would give up his seat on the council to go back to his family? And what do you think about Arako being the mutant sent back in the other direction? Well, that was in one of the very first card, I think, talking about sacrifice mm. and talking about like one has to stay in the in the heartland. And, you know, you can use one as a general grouping or you can actually read it as really one. And in this case, it is really one. Well, Apocalypse got the lovers like yeah. that. His fate was predicted as well. Mm hmm. Yeah. So isn't that also like Apocalypse just, you know, um, escaped his uh, war crime tribunal all of that <laughs> Probably, by just going yeah. going you know he's like well you know what tell x uh, professor x and magneto i'll see them i will see time. them again yeah <laughs> yeah i'll see them again but <laughs> yeah, yeah but... i'll see them again meantime let me just go and then you know uh like you know play sleep with my fate like you but, know that's what but... he <laughs> that's what he calls it sex but he, rem he, he remains truthful earlier. to his word to Krakoa. He brought that he them. Yeah. Yeah. He, oh, so yeah, he brought I mean, Arako back. Yeah, and no, and that's fine. But then at the same time, I would like to see him stand trial for his, you know, going against the council, putting everyone yeah. at risk, putting Krakoa at risk, and yeah. just doing this just for his own benefit, going back to exactly. my thing. Like but I this will is see a mutant nation. Yeah, but then it's like, <laughs> no, you know what? I know what's going to happen if I go yeah. back. So, hey, guess what? You know, you want me to go with you? I'll go with you. And here's Krako uh, Arako in the meantime. Yeah. Deal with these people as well. <laughs> but more interestingly is that 
is Arako and all the mutants prisoners. Exactly. Yeah. So who exactly. are these mutant prisoners? Are they the first gen um mutants and their uh generation, the 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 the, the their future their offsprings? Or are they the um saber tooth of Arako that has been like kept <laughs> in the pit of you know uh, of, of, of Arako? So who but are saber tooth of Arako yeah, but there would be saber tooth of inverse. Yeah. But, but that's what I'm saying. Phrase, like, they might be the nice ones. Be the inverse. They uh, will be the nice ones. You know what I mean? But the thing it. is, so to, to, to that point, I'm rec- I recently read Imperium by Joshua Dysart, which was uh-huh. a book um, in Valiant. And in that one, one of the ways they tried to combat Toyo Harada by sending more refugees to him you know, the world leaders tries to, and then because they it causes a drain on their resource. Mm-hmm. Is that what Apocalypse doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sending, the, like mm-hmm. the both Arako and with all of their people in there just causing a resource draining. Well, and also well, like it... this idea of how are they going to integrate? Do, do they even yeah. want to be on Earth? Exactly. Like, yes, they came from the same land originally and, and, and originally were all of one. Yeah. But it's it's kind of comes back to our eternal immigrant question, right? It's like, do you are they going to ever really be able to be citizens of our world, citizens of Earth, citizens of Krakoa, when everything about their lives have been Arako? Are they going to add to that culture and and help to improve it, or are they going to always kind of resist it? And it's a really interesting philosophical question. I think it's going to be one of the big topics probably going into this next period of Reign of X. Yeah, I mean, and I thought it also kind of reflects great... on. It also reflects on uh, Jewish population moving to Israel after World War II mm. because a lot of them had to move against their will. Like, you know, even after the liberation of camps and everything, they pretty, like, a representative from Israel pretty much came to them and then took them away. Like, you know, there was like a whole topic you can just, like, you know, you can read up on that. And it was kind of reminded me a lot, little bit of that as well, that against their wish, like, they were just given, handed mm. off by one man's, like you know wish like yeah just like, you one, know, decision, one, right. one man's one man's decision mm-hmm. well so also, the, oh, go ahead tyler you've been no, waiting very patiently well oh no no <laughs> i i mean I, I was just thinking that like this is a great um great way to sort of like let's you know this is going to be the next phase of the stories yeah you know and i mean uh, no surprise here they they called it something of x again which is rain of x <laughs> so let's rocks it <laughs> yeah it's but all, um it's time to rocks time for yeah. for rocks you never you never really talk about rock with an x like you say this rocks but you don't <laughs> usually say the the verb like i love rock and roll you never say rocks yeah. anyway okay so Here's another thing that I think Tyler can start us off on since he, he got through us ex- expounding upon those points just now. Tyler, you wanted to talk about the idea of fate here, right? Yeah. And like how much of this had was always ordained to happen and how much of it was variable and how much did anybody have any control over at all? Yeah. So what are your thoughts because, on that? Because like Stashenai has been saying, I mean, Stashenai says that this is all preordained. And so, you know, it sort of leads me to the thought of like, you know, uh, 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 all this slavery to fate and fortunes, right? So so many times when you when you have your fortune read, you know, um, does it mean that it is fixed? Does it mean that um, you you cannot change it because you know you have seen the future? Mm. This is your fortune, and this is a a, a very um, important or a very accurate reading, you know. And 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 
And that means that, you know, whatever you do can never change the outcome, which is kind of, um, I mean, which is kind of like parts of a lot of, a lot of those stories where things are like preordained because you have your future read, therefore it becomes fixed. If you have not have it read, it is not fixed, that kind of thing. And in some ways, the theme of Moira's resurrection, you know, her, her, her past nine lives has been fixed. It's fixed to failure. Mm. Does it mean that this 10th life is also fixed in the sense that it will fail again? Oh, please don't. Don't say that. I know. You're going to make Free even more heartbroken after last last episode. Yeah. Look, I, I take a maybe a slightly different read of that just because it's the kind of optimist that I am that like... Um, the future is going to unfurl the way the future is going to unfurl. And once you have it predicted in a fictional sense, once you have it predicted, it becomes its own self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're, it's going to happen the way that it happened and you're going to assume that the prediction predicted it. And it's kind of this, um, like forcing it onto a line of best fit, right? It's, it's a, it's almost like a logical fallacy of making something adhere to your, the way you expected it. And I think that that's part of what Saranine is doing. We get this wonderful walk and talk where her, you know, minister fish person is like fawning over like, oh, you planned it all. And she's like, I did, I did. But did she really? Because she didn't get Brian back and she didn't didn't know what was going to happen with the mask. So all she really planned or predicted or whatever was that she was going to win and that the thing that the things in the tournament that she wanted to happen were going to happen. But that was just what she controlled. And ultimately, she's just bending this narrative to fit, which she always predicted. So I I don't, there's nothing good or bad or right or wrong about that. But I just, as a reader and, and as somebody who you know believes that we have some control and agency as our as characters here in the real world Mm -hmm. that's the way that i read it that saturnine was trying to be satisfied with how much she got right but really she got what she got and and she's got to live with it now yeah because it's like the the fish lady was telling her congratulations my lady you have won and deserve to have all that you desire and i was like no she did not no she did not get her desire (laughs) yeah for you, well, Brian the human. No, Brian the human is still in her court, so maybe who knows? Where is Brian's wife? He's like just not caring about his wife and his <laughs> Megan. Oh, yeah. Megan's so much cooler than yeah, Brian. Megan. Freya. One day you're gonna you're gonna get to know Megan. Yeah, when understand. we get there. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I'm just sick and tired of these ex ladies or like you know mutant <laughs> ladies just being settled with boring people all the time. Um, no, but the thing is to the point of fate and fortune and all of that. I mean. I think that it was mostly that, oh, I am the fate brings all the players together, but then it's like, mm. so, yeah, like it, and then everyone kind of, you don't know how everyone's going to work, uh, react, and especially given that there's so many players. So I think her thing was like, she kind of got the right player that she, like, or got the players that she thinks are going to get her the win, but not, didn't necessarily get her all the wins because of, the things that she didn't predict, which is like Betsy taking the sword away or like, you know, the, the love spell backfiring, the mask thing happening. Um, and like, you know, so that's kind of how I look at fate versus like, you know, pre, pre-ordained des- destiny versus mm-hmm. free will. 
Mm-hmm. Well, look, we have one more thing to wrap up in the issue itself before we do some wrap-up chat. And I'm actually, again, going to turn it over to Tyler because it's very receipt-oriented. Uh, it's these final these final data pages. And there's a lot of information. We will not yeah. go through it line by line. I mean, it, it goes through where all the swords wound up and by extension yeah. where their holders wound up. It goes through all of the new, new or the, the prominent new Captain Britons that we got. It, it asks us a lot of questions and you could pour over it yourself. But Tyler, yeah. from your perspective, what are some of the most interesting highlights here that people should be keeping their eye on as we move into Reign of X? Well, there's a few things um, that uh, I thought were kind of important regarding the... Um, let's let's do a little bit of, of the new Captain Britain call first. Okay. So first thing is, where is 616 Betsy? TBD. Nowhere, nowhere to be seen. My, I mean, my guess is that she is that piece that Brian was holding. Mm. So, so that's and she was she wasn't in in the mosaic. So that's why when Session Knight cast a spell, she wasn't she did not appear. You know. So, but that's my guess. And then one of the captain that um that was resurrected is Captain Krakoika. <laughs> that was from World seventy eight, hmm. Multiverse seventy eight. I. Um, and that I think Multiverse 78 has never appeared before. Or at least from my research, I couldn't find anything. So, but, you so, know, it talks about Krakowika, which is kind of interesting. Yes, 78. So that means in Multiverse 78, 78 Krakowa not... is equivalent of Britain. They are the equivalent yeah. of Britain. That means they are the world conqueror. That, I want to be in 78. Is there is there a way, gateway to 78? That's where I want to be. <laughs> doesn't look like there's ever been <laughs> well, a 78 before. So this is yeah. this is a new designation. A new designation. And then I think the other designation which um which was something that um X Twitter has been has been guessing all along is that um is Captain UK in seat 839. And this was was the world that Captain UK was assigned after Set Year Nine was defeated. Set different year different is, than Saturn Nine. Set Year Nine. Yeah. Very subtle. Set, but not yeah. the same. So Set Year Nine is basically the really evil version of Saturn Nine. And mm. she is obsessed with Brian. So a lot of people in X Twitter were guessing that this Saturn Nine is not the original Saturn Nine, but Set Year Nine. Pose as I mean, act, you know, um, posing as her. The only way you can tell is from a tattoo on her right thigh, and all throughout this crossover, her slit is on the left side. So you you never get to see her right thigh exposed. One well, also, it should be pointed out. Brian that, so should have this... taken up on that offer that Wolverine had. <laughs> It should be pointed out that that is an existing Earth, as Tyler mentioned, that um, you know yeah. ties in, and that um, the original Captain UK was actually one of the non-Brian Braddock Captain Britons. It was a different yeah. character, so, and he's yeah. an evil one. If you go on to um, Marvel, the Marvel Wiki, marvel.fandom.com, not associated yeah. with Marvel, they have a great page of all of the um, universes that have been explicitly numbered, and it is pretty comprehensive. I'm sure they've missed a yeah. couple here and there, but it's got dozens and dozens of them. So a I would say, go, you know, go down this list and see if any. There's yeah. some really cool ones that Tyler has already pointed out in our notes. There's a Spider-Gwen universe one, and Spider-Gwen's universe yeah. doesn't have a lot of superheroes, so it's actually really mm-hmm. interesting that there's a Captain Britain there. What are some yeah. of the, Sister of the other ones? Sis- what well, is it? Sister, Sister Britain is the one from Spider Gwen's verse. So now, Tyler, let's talk now about the swords and the swords. implication. Again, we're not going to talk about everyone. 
Yeah. But what is the implication well, that you find the most interesting out of these swords? I think the swords will point to where some of the players are. Mm. For example, Red Root is still captured. Um, based on Krakoa, Iska. This is where she's mentioned as the Omega Mutant. And she's the he- she's on Arako, which means that she's on she's Earth. common, yeah. Yeah, and she's the head of the Great great Ring. Is that a Quiet Council equivalent of mm. Krakoa? Interesting. I mean, of, of Arako, sorry. Mm. Yeah, so this is what I thought was interesting. And then it mentions that the Twilight Blade was stolen. Abandoned? To whom? Yeah, stolen. Stolen, not abandoned. No, it says stolen. stolen. Abandoned on the field it's of battle stil- and stolen yeah. in the stolen. chaos of war. We're Correct. both right. <laughs> so it's like... You know, so that was something else. And then here comes the creepy ex-boyfriend thing. Warlock. <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, <laughs> when they get to Warlock, the thing is this. Uh, what's the message here? It says, everything is fine. Nothing's going to change. Mutants get married all the time. We are going to be best friends forever. Whereas the other side <laughs> on the seducer says, Everything is fine. Nothing's going to change. Mutants get married all the time. Kiss the blade, Doug. Learn to love it. <laughs> I was like, oh, Doug, you have no idea what you're going oh, to I know. I mean, I mean, I'm like, well, you don't know what's going to happen until, like, you know, you find a cook rabbit in your pot in, in the heart of Krakoa, and you're like... What's happening? Who cooked him? Who cooked my well, patch rabbit? And, and let's remember, Doug was actually trying to keep the fact that he had Warlock on the DL before this all yeah. happened. And when the swords thing all came to light, he was like, oh yeah, I guess the gig is up. I've had Warlock this yeah. whole time. But this was already a point of speculation. Like, what is he doing with Warlock? We Warlock. thought we saw Warlock infecting some of the plants on Krakoa. Yeah. And now Warlock is like in the in a jealous third wheel situation, which says nothing of Krakoa, who might be infected with Warlock. I mean... This is clearly going to continue to be a plot point. <laughs> this is, but, yeah. But talking, so look, now that we've kind of wrapped up the stuff that's in the issue. Oh, um, and there's one, one more thing. One more. Like, Cable's sword is actually still powering the peak. Right. So he's, where yeah. goes the sword, maybe also goes Cable. Yeah, so he's, that's why I think he's appearing in, like, sword number one. I think he was on the cover or something. And we are like, so. another series with Cable? Really? Yeah. But it's like, because his sword is there. But also, yeah. um, what's going to happen with the Swords of Gorgon, right? Like, Gorgon, is he going to mm-hmm. get resurrected? What is he going to be? And then also, where is Solemn right now? He has been conspicuously absent ever since all of the tournament fighting. He appears. He appears in a panel here. Sneaking away? Sneaking into onto Earth at the Avalon yeah. Gate. Mm. And then... So he he got hot for Wolverine now. Yeah. So that's why he's that's where he is going. Yeah. And then we have Apocalypse walking off into the sunset with his children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, so we... where are he, where are they going? They're yeah. going to, like, because Arako Amen. is now Amen. part of. So they're going Amen. back to Amen. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I guess. So I mean, because he who wears the crown controls the land. And now so whoever holds wo- the staff controls the yeah. land. Correct. Oh, okay. So she's holding. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why this she now because apocalypse basically won. So, so that's the part which I don't understand why it was switched. I mean, apocalypse just letting her do all the finances and stuff, yeah. bookkeeping and all of that, while okay. he's just. Yeah. <laughs> oh, then the other thing was that like, um, uh, uh, Statue Nine basically is using the summoners 
and the Vescora, which is like the, the alien thing, to my black spoke. Yeah. And then what is shown is that purple crystals. And these purple crystals has been popping up all over Hotspot Stocks. So it was a, it was in a pit in the transit uh gateway tra- transit zone of of Krakoa. It was a crystal that the doctor Gregor was using as she was trying to resurrect her husband, mm. and it the, was the very Nimrod esque. Oh, yeah, and also it the external gate was looks like it's made from crystals. these purple crystals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think what's really interesting here is like there this does not have to be all there is of other, other world and it could yeah. be that this story goes on to have more resonance for us. I mean, it's easy to say now like, all right, great. Like, I guess we're never going to yeah. see Blightspoke again or we're never going to see Sevilleth again. But like, here we are with Death still Death. standing in Sevilleth who got made into maybe a vampire by the yeah. Sevilleth vampire. So like, hopefully some of these will still pay off and maybe some of them might pay off in Excalibur, but some of these threads are going to explode elsewhere like the thing with Solomon yeah. and stuff. So um, which brings me to our points of discussion that are not explicit in the book. Mm-hmm. So the first one I want to talk about is uh, I want to talk about who is your most valuable player that was not introduced here. We'll get to the folks that are brand new, but who really shone for you in this X of Swords story in a way that made you really love them? Freya. So for me, I kind of thought about that. Um, and then it seems like every choices I picked later on, I'm like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> were they really that good? <laughs> um, I think the one that's kind of like mostly stuck with me is Storm, you know, because she was kind of chosen for this and then she had to go and then against her, like, you know, kind of fight with the Wakandan and get the sword and everything. And even when she was here, she was trying to kind of keep a diplomatic um you know, and more carried herself more as the quiet council woman, you know, instead of just like, ha ha ha, like, you know, as we have seen rest of the um, X-Men have, like, you know, or rest of the Krakowans have become. Um, then also, like, you know, there's the dance with the dead and all of that. And then she decisively took him down, um, you know. And so I think from that point of view, um, and even then later on, like, you know, she was blasted Genesis and was like, we have to move because, you know, she's not going to get stunned. Like, she was taking initiatives and all that. Like, I feel like in terms of, like, she showed to be the true, like, you know, true leadership skills and, like, a true mm-hmm. leader of the Krakowan team. So from my point of view, it will be her. Hmm. Tyler? Well, I did think about Storm, but then I rejected it. Of course it. you did. Yeah, part of it was because... <gasps> my God. Oh, part of it was yeah, because yeah. she... I think the ma- my, my main reason was because she actually approved Wolverine's plan. Tyler's never going to get over it. Such a nine. Nor yeah, should That's he. the thing but which I hate. But do you think... Hates it. But, do you, yeah. but do you think she knew that it was a set R9... That's why she probably knew. Mm. <laughs> Maybe. But, and and the other thing that kind of minor was that she got drunk and she tried to kiss Wolverine, which is like, Ugh, no. I mean, listen. So my MVP. You know, when I got drunk. <laughs> sorry. So my MVP is actually Jubilee. Nice. Ooh. I love her. Because I think in this her motivation and you know she she did not let her her emotions take over what she has to do she knew she has to stay there to fight she knew that you know um that she might lose shogo forever but she still stayed with the x-men 
to fight and to prevent the Starlight uh, Citadel from getting overrun, which meant Krakoa getting overrun um, or invaded in this sense. Peter, what is your? Who is yours? I have. I really torn between two, but I. I think I'm going to have to go with magic, because I love. Ooh. I've grown to love magic over the years. I didn't understand it. Like when they brought her back in 2010, or actually it's like mm. more like 2008 and 9 in X Infernus, right? Because it was before the New Mutants <laughs> yeah. run. I was like, why are people so excited? Just let her be dead. Like, come on. But it's, they've just chipped away at me and again and again. But she went from a character that was just a New Mutants character to then a character that was just in the edges of panels and X-Men being their magic school bus to then being a character who has some funny lines to now for the first time, I think, since the 80s, feeling like a fully realized character. And I while I didn't love how she was the butt of so many jokes and she gave us so many funny mm-hmm. moments, I think there were enough moments of her being competent and her being resolved and her being a captain that we come out of this with once again this feeling that like she... She is part of the A-list X-Men. Like, we just had a whole series where Magic had so much panel time. She's not yeah. going anywhere. She didn't die. And she's here to stay. And she's a character that now kind of feels like between this and also the way that Hickman wrote her in a sort of irreverent way in New Mutants, she feels real and, like, round and dynamic to me in a way that mm-hmm. I don't know, even in the past 10 years of enjoying her, she has felt. She felt very kind of one notish, and now she really feels fully real but i almost 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 said brian the human (laughs) because i did a brief brief defense we so rarely get to see the ramifications of the fact that he's so tied in with mutants like he's on their side a lot but we don't aren't Mm -hmm. made to think about it very much and this was one of the first times that i really felt like in a long long time that anybody's like yeah but Think about what it means that his sister is a mutant and that his brother is a mutant and this place is a homeland for mutants. And think about, like, if he feels any dedication. And we had that great moment with him talking about, like, do it for country, but he was talking about Krakoa instead of Britain. And I just was like, this is actual character growth for Brian the human in our year of Lord, you know, 2020. Here it is. But I said, really, my pick is magic. (laughs) All right, round two. Who is your favorite newly introduced character in this talking about people that we've met. It doesn't have to just be from creation. It could be any of these kind of like summoner kind of characters that we've just Mm -hmm. been introduced to to gear up for this. Freya, who's your favorite newbie? So... Make it white butt. Huh? Mm. No, I mean, you know, he's kind of cool looking, but mm, he kind of died so easily. Um... But but I was I was actually mostly kind of impressed by Genesis and mo- mm. not necessarily you know I did not, not expect you to say everything. that. Yeah, I did not expect you to say that too. So like, oh, what were you expecting? I don't know, but I just didn't think you were gonna pick Genesis. <laughs> you'll be like, I, I thought you'll be like competence pawn Iska. Yeah, one she of the always big muscly wins. ladies. But tell us about Genesis. I'm really curious <laughs> okay, to go hear ahead. your reason. Yeah. No, no, okay. So so the problem with Iska is like I just don't know how her power works. Right. Like I feel like her power is just by luck. Like I just I don't I don't support mm-hmm. those things, okay? Just because you were born with it, it's just a welding and then Finnegan yeah, and Maybelline. changing boats and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the thing is like oh with with the Genesis, because I was actually first of all, it's like um she, her character design, I really liked mm. that because she was one of the very first human mutant and she's not drawn white. Like, you know, she's actually drawn, like, you know, as a colored woman. I mean, that to me, that was like a very, like, you know, spot on. And not necessarily because, you know, she's like, she just 
she really embraced the whole survival of the fittest and that even though she closed the door behind um, her husband and then kind of like you know she did her best with her with the children <laughs> and you know she was like you know just kind of take, keeping it together and then you know finally when it, the time needed she actually faced annihilation and then even though she registered it for as long as she could finally just kind of she had to do something and in a way bridge the gap and we saw the event mm-hmm. that came true so i think from that point of view um she was like you know an interesting character that uh, I hope we get to see more of, you know. Mm-hmm. Tyler, what about you? Mm. Favorite new character? White Sword. Mm. Because I think his... I kind of like his powers. Um, like, it comes at a cost. Um, he can heal people, but he ha- he also has the... Well, not a cost to him, but, you <laughs> yeah. know, a cost to to <laughs> to who he resurrected. Right. And it's like... And he has the power to, like, you know, um, basically make them serve him for forever and then um i also like his kind of warp sense of honor and duty basically he's mm. like yeah this is what i do and this is my honor and this is my you know and this is what i i'm on the board for if it's not if it's done it's done i i'm not going to fight your war for you just because you know it's convenient or just because i'm there and he's like right. you know everyone gathers around me and let's go <laughs> You know that's what he said to to his um to whatever whoever is left from from his hundred uh champions, um. So I thought that was I I mean I just thought it was pretty interesting in that sense. I think I feel like I've come the farthest with him because like when they first introduced him, I'm like, all right, here's sword guy, sword guy on sword team. But like yeah. I find that I'm genuinely interested. I'm like I I hope that's not the last of him. Mm-hmm. I, and I didn't really ever expect to feel that way about that kind of character, sword guy. You know, so I feel like good on the crew here that wrote this because they actually made me care about him which i did not Mm -hmm. expect yeah and i actually want to see like you know from the point of view of one of the person he resurrected like how their days have their their days goes like you know they just resurrected fights dies and then resurrected again fights dies (laughs) yeah that would be i mean thinking of all the glimpses we've seen of life in arako and like life in ameth like i would actually be really intrigued by a sequence like that where we just like you know almost like an anthology issue or something just follow Mm -hmm. one of them getting up in the morning doing their thing dying and getting up in the next morning like groundhog's day style and i want it to be silent it it better be silent yeah 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 yeah. it, it only works if it's a silent issue so I really, I really thought about this for a while, and I really thought it was going to be Iska because I'm like so, so mm. fascinated by all the implications of it. But I think it's Red Root, just because I'm, I'm obsessed with the visual design. Like you can remember when they first introduced her, and I just was like going on and on, or them. I don't think we've, we've decided. Um, I was just going on and on and on about it, and even though there was some like goofy kind of like they move in slowly through the market and getting stuck in the bottle. There's just something so interesting to me that about them in opposition to Doug, that Doug is the translator, but he's kind of part machine because of Warlock and Redroot is actually more like the land and more like a biological entity. And I just think in a whole group of really visually striking designs, Redroot is the most different. You know, like I love War's design, but we've seen that. It's very magma, but like Redroot's design to me, just really stands out from all mm-hmm. the other characters. And again, especially with Arako coming over, like, Arako's gonna miss Redroot. Like, what if Doug was left behind? Krakow would have been pissed. So I think that, like, this cannot be the last that we've seen of Redroot, even though yeah. they're still stuck in a bottle. Which brings exactly. me to our... F- and- oh, 
Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, though, because now uh, Araku doesn't have a voice. Right. So what if Krakoa just misrepresent whatever the <laughs> whatever he pleases? Well, but you assume <laughs> yeah, that that's, that's what that, doesn't, that, could, that could be both, you know. But will that Maybe Doug doesn't Doug. understand. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. True. Maybe our, Doug doesn't understand that language or maybe, you know. Well, that's Doug's power. Yeah, he understands languages. Yeah, so, SFOB. Uh, so true. now let's. Yeah. This is my final go round here. You don't have to just do one, but don't be naming the whole line. Okay. Out of all of the storylines that are going to emerge from this, and all of the storylines that we had on hold from the series before that are now going to come back alive, what are you like? You cannot wait to see resume in the next month, Faria. Um, obviously, more orders. You know, uh, Killshaw yeah. storyline. Where let's is go. that going? Yeah, let's go, let's go. And then uh, Hellions, which is super surprising. Like, you know, it's like, what are they going to do? And then, you know, because I, I, I because when I was rereading it um, in Hellion 5, I just love that, you know, when Empath was bring, brought back, um, um, Professor X actually says that I have a um, visitor or something and then just hands it off, hands him off to Rachel and then just walks away from it. So I just want Not to see Rachel, what... hope, hope. Hope, hope. Yeah, yeah because I, I all a, the red hat get confused. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I have um visitor, you know, <laughs> deal with this, you know. So the thing is like I just like these characters and you know, I re reading Hellion 5 and then see that the the what Quinon and Grey Gray star, gray worm, the, the gray one crow. that really gray crow, and then you know, kind of their relationship and everything. So I am kind of interested into seeing how this all, you know, goes. And also, like, what is Sinister's plan yeah. now that he has mm. all the thing? What is his plan? So I'm super excited for these two things. Tyler, um, I think coming out directly from this storyline. I'm kind of interested to see who will replace Jean in the council mm. and who will replace mm. Apocalypse. Um, is I mean, there going I can, to be a vote? I don't know. Is there going to be election? Yeah. Um, is there going to be election? Ooh. I have no idea. But I mean, I can think of like... college? I can only think of one person who can replace Jean in the council. And that's not a good choice. And that's the intelligence officer. It's Beast. No. Yeah. That would He's be the only one. I was hoping you were going to say Maddie Pryor because that would be juicy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Maddie Pryor is insane, and she's not. She hasn't been brought back, right? Yeah, they she chose not back. to yeah. bring. Yeah. Because I was back. running through the whole group of the original five and the and and the new new batch of X Men. There's not many choices, you know, and I don't think they will put anyone else on in Jean's place. So maybe old cable, but old cable is dead. There's only young cable here. So, yeah, yeah. I mean that's my thing. Or maybe there's not, and there maybe there's not going to be any replacement because it's going to be reign of ten. It could be right because yeah, it's exactly. Called, it was twelve, and there's we're two down, and it's called reign of X, but we know the X's are ten. So, yeah. So it's a reign of ten. So it's just going to be a reign of ten. Yeah, and I agree with Faria. I'm actually interested to see how. Um, Emma and Kit is going to take the revenge on shore. Mm. So that's another thing which I kind of um, am hoping to see. Well, I would add to Freya's vote of Hellions. I think coming out of this year, it might be my favorite of all of these books. Like, mm-hmm. it's, 
I, I just can't wait. I, I'm, I would devour it. I would read it every week. It's been, the writing's good. The art is good. The character choices are surprising. I've said mm-hmm. again and again, I like it because it's like the, the rejects. I always love the X-Men books that have the, the least popular characters. That's just the way that I like my X-Men. So I'm really excited for Hellions, but I think I'm excited and also nervous for New Mutants. I historically mm. don't really enjoy Vita Ela, but I think that they did a really good job on the Marauders issue here. They haven't done a whole lot of work in the X office before, so it's like, who knows? Maybe Vita Ela has been meant to be writing in the X office all this time. And if we think back to the shows that we did before all this, I actually, New Mutants was my favorite of the X books going in. And it has a lot of the characters that I want to read. I'm really interested in what happens with Doug. I'm really what, interested in what happens with Magic. I'm really interested to see more of Mirage and some of the more classic New Mutants. So... I, I think I'm like excited and also nervous because I don't mm. want to not like it. And I, and I would love to finally have the connection with Vita's writing that so many other people feel that I just like don't seem to be getting. So I'm, I'm high anticipation, high anxiety about New Mutants. But also if there's one thing I'm the most looking forward to, it is the return of Wolverine, Laura. Darwin, and Sink from the Children of the Vault portal, which has already been solicited, I think, for issue 18 of X-Men that comes out in February. Mm -hmm. So that is my number one. Like, can it be February? Because I'm so excited for that one. Do you think that's going to be kickoff, like, the next crossover or next big thing? I mean, who knows? As if they need more people from Strange Doors to pop out and overrun. So many, like, hanging threats. Yeah. Like, I mean, the whole thing about... No, no, and I'm not... I'm not saying that it's happening next year, but maybe in the year yeah, 2020, yeah, yeah. like a, a beginning of 2022, like this kind of, like, you know, kind of connects to that. No, it, it can happen. Anything can happen, right? And right. that is definitely one of the one of those hanging threads that Hickman has just basically wrote something and just left it there. And I, I mean, I don't know Clara how... M- <laughs> yes. That's what that's one of the things that he does really well, well, accidentally or on purpose. <laughs> but um, I mean, I kind of also want to see the Moira story finally gets a little bit more traction, right? Because she has been mm. sidelined for a long time. Well, and... and something that Priya pointed out to us as we were prepping for this episode is if you go back and read. Marauders number can I say can I say 15 can I say? Yes. Uh, yeah let me just set it so the, the intro of Marauders 15 oh. where we had that alt- alternate vision of what would happen if Wolverine related to kill Saturnine Freya what did you notice on your reread so in the reread uh, one thing I noticed that it says over here that Wolverine it says at the very end that Wolverine saw all of this happen and one of the things that he saw happen is Mora X dying in her no place so as far as Wolverine is concerned Moira is dead so we don't know how much of that information he's going to hold on to or mm. how much of that he's going to care because we, I mean, from my reading of Wolverine, sometimes he gets focused on one thing only and then sometimes he just overlooks and then focuses on something different. So if he does focus on, gets locked onto that one thing, it could be a very interesting plot line for Wolverine solo series into like, what does it mean? Why did I see Moira? Why? Mm. Like, you know, he getting like getting that fixation with him and then it probably got to leave somewhere. Because as far as now we know, only Professor X and Magneto knows about Moira. Even Apocalypse doesn't know about Moira, right? Yeah. No. So, so yeah, so maybe, you know, and I don't know whether the vision came to him in bright written form or it came in in visual form. Because if it's in written form, then he will be like, what does Moira X means? But if it came in like visual form... <laughs> 
that probably doesn't matter. So I don't know, you know. Oh, and then one other thing I want to see is like um, Nanny comes back, whether she's going to come back in her egg form or yes. <laughs> if she's going to be egg within an egg or she's going to come back as a, as a human mutant form. <laughs> that's, that's another thing I'm I read, looking forward I, to. I read the solicits, so I'm not going to spoil it for you, but... Oh, don't, don't no, spoil it. No, no, no. Like, no you know, okay. There's a reason yeah, I read the solicits. Don't, I don't want to know. So look, I know what I, I mean, I also want to say one one other thing. Please bring Rasputin back <laughs> and Cardinal. Uh, yeah, those we'll see. Those I mean, especially with Children of the <laughs> Vault messing with time and with Sinister messing with you know his own Splinter mutants and uh, Chimeras. Yeah, uh, who knows? So I know. I know one of the things people that have been watching and listening are asking is: Is this week an X coming back? Now that we're done this, we got reassembled here as three fourths of the Hicksman report because, as we know, mm-hmm. the protocols are backed up and Zach is still not back. Uh, We didn't really have a plan for going beyond this, but if you've been following on the channel or via the podcast, we have a lot of conversations going right now. We're also doing an epic X-Men reread of Claremont from the start, which Free has never read before, so really exciting. Uh, And I do think you're going to see some continuing content from us in the coming weeks, although uh, it might not always be the the same kind of conversational depth that we got into here, and it might change the focus of it a little bit, but I would say stay tuned, please subscribe, and we are so happy to be reading X-Men together and along with you because X-Men is what, Freya? X-Men is better when it's read together. That's right. So with that, Mm. we leave you here at the end of X of Swords. Thank you so, so, so much for listening and making it fun for us to get back together and read this. So one final time signing off from X of Swords. This is Peter, Freya, and Tyler, and we are hoping that you all are very well and that we will see you again. Bye. Bye.